0: Today's episode is sponsored by Youmore. Youmore helps us better understand and uplift our mental health with instant screening, data tracking, insights, and targeted exercises. I've had the pleasure of having both co-founders on the podcast, and I really admire what they do and love their vision behind the company. Youmore is the AI-powered mental well-being tracker that helps you build positive habits, change behaviors, and share your progress with friends, family, and physicians. Youmore's vision is to make mental health as seamless and as accessible as possible, Its purpose is to act as a support and prevention tool and to provide you with the data and insights to help you develop an awareness of your current mental state and stress levels. The way it works is very simple. You download the app for free on your smartphone, you fill in a quick questionnaire that will assess how you're currently feeling, which will act as a starting point, and it will check in with you daily to track your well-being over time and so that you are able to see your progression day by day. Umor also gives you access to many evidence-based exercises which are designed to help you live your happiest and healthiest life. The goal of Umore is to be your friend, is there to help and support you in your mental health journey. And to find out more, you can check out their website at youmore.app. Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. Today's guest is Eddie Whittingham. Eddie is the creator of GoFounder, a supportive online community for startup founders that aims to provide them with the platform, tools, knowledge and resources to help start, grow and scale their startups. The vision came from his experience of bootstrapping his previous startup and achieving a multi-million pound exit in only four years. So he wanted to give back and share the lessons he learned to support a new generation of entrepreneurs in their own journeys. During this episode, we discussed the challenges and mistakes that many people make when starting a business. He shares with us his story and the lessons he learned from his own startup experience. and We talk about the work perception founders have towards investments, exits, and much more. And the last message he wanted to share is to dream big, but be realistic, and remember that any progress is good progress. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Eddie Whittingham. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. So, Eddie, I found out about you through LinkedIn, which I've found out through, I think, 90% of my my guests by now. And one thing from the get-go that really stood out to me was... Th- I guess your tone and the way you would talk about things on LinkedIn—it was very, for me personally at least—it was so refreshing. It was very real, you know, no bullshit. This is what sucks. This is what went well, you know, and <clears throat> saying it in a way like people a lot of times I think on LinkedIn, especially like you say a story in a way, but it's kind of like a, it's almost like a humble brag, in you know, yeah. in a way. And I'm, I'm always like, ah, come on, it wasn't really like that, but. So I really that really stood out to me. I love the content that you do, and uh, I've done my research and listened to your story and everything. And I think to the experience you've had is and the lessons you've learned is so relevant, especially now. As you know, with COVID, I think a lot of people now are looking to either start a side hustle or completely leave their careers or start a new business. So I think this conversation right now is more than timely and i think a lot of people will be able to learn from your experience and our conversation today but before we get into everything eddie why don't you give all of us a little bit sorry a little bit of background about yourself and we'll take it from there
1: sure thank you um yeah a little bit about me i uh, grew up in a sort of working class background northern town in england not the most uh, delightful of places um yeah i joined the police when i was 18 relatively naively i was in the police for just shy of 10 years did the kind of usual thing that poli- people in the police do sort of did uh, four years, 999 response. I did a year sort of sort of more covert work and then sort of four years in crime investigation and um, enjoyed it on the whole, but I, I hated the system and uh, you know, how it wasn't really supporting the victims and all that sort of stuff, which a lot of police officers um, get frustrated with and um, decided to study law. And I, I guess I studied that at the time because it seemed like a logical next step. I, I, from the background that I'm from, I didn't probably maybe understand or appreciate all the different roles that are out there that you could do. Sure. Uh, It was kind of, I don't know if you have the game over in Dubai, we do in England called like happy families where it's like, literally you can be a doctor, a postman, a butcher (laughs) and it's like all those classic kind of job roles. Um, so I studied, I studied law, um, full time. I dropped my hours in the police to 30 hours a week. So I was, it was a really intense period in my life of, of hard work. Um, eventually got my law degree qualified as a solicitor, but, uh, I sat down on my first day and I hated it. Like I <laughs> seriously hated it. And I just, I just, I think I just knew it wasn't really what I wanted to do and that was the problem. So, um, from that point really kind of was thinking oh you know I've always thought about in the back of my mind maybe having my own business would be great um so the kind of next logical step for me was looking at my skill set what can I do and what's an, what's a logical next step in the in the law firm that I was at we had some involvement with like private investigation companies okay not, partic- not particularly glamorous work um but I kind of looked at the invoices and think I was like well I, you know I, I've got the skills to do that that seems logical so basically long story short as soon as i've qualified within a few months i, I quit and started like a, a sort of private investigation slash legal consultancy gig literally just selling my time uh and it was all right but again i kind of was like oh, i've just i've worked all that time and got myself in loads of debt to now basically just be selling my time again um and i thought you know it's it's not also the most reputable of industries to be in so I kind of wanted to do something else a bit more scalable. Long story short, then moved on, built a online cybersecurity business, which basically provided online training about things like phishing emails, passwords, so-and-so. Um, completely self-taught, hadn't done Cybergram before, hadn't had a tech platform before, but just taught myself the basics. And I bootstrapped that, i was the sole founder bootstrapped that sort of three and a half years and and then got acquired by a a nasdaq listed company so a lot of luck involved in that obviously i worked hard blah 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 but uh, definitely a high degree of luck involved in that um and then since selling i've just been working on a platform called gofound which is just a platform to help people start and grow their own business effectively
0: yeah that's awesome man and thank you so much for sharing that story with us um in my mind when i was doing my research about you i'm like okay he was he was a police officer and then went to law, and then did a startup, and now he's doing another startup. So in my head, I'm like, that's so, it's, if you, like, I bet if I asked you at 18 when you are a police officer, like 10, 10 years later, you'll have, you will have sold a startup, and done it. you'd be like, that's so far from, like, out of your mind, or what's possible. Do you know what, and that's a really good
1: point. I was, um, I was chatting to someone recently who's got aspirations of starting their own startup, and they were like, yeah, but I could, I can't see me, like, doing what you've done, And I was like, yeah, but I couldn't when I started. Like, that's the point, isn't it? You know, you don't know unless you start. Like, honestly, you know, if you'd have said to me 10 years ago that I'd be where I am now, I just would not have believed it because I was, you know, what what was I doing 10 years ago? I was still in the police, thinking about leaving, uh, you know, probably excited about what the future might hold, but really having no idea I was moving city, you know, all that sort of stuff. So... You, you don't know unless you try. Like, yeah. it's not it's not as easy as people say it is out there. There's a lot of bullshit out there about it. However, you know, if if you've kind of got that bug and you've got that natural tendency to want to do something like this, you're not going to know unless you take that leap of faith. And it might go wrong, so you need to be prepared for that financially, mentally, uh, you know, emotionally, all that sort of stuff. But you know, if you don't if you don't try, you'll never know.
0: 100, percent, man. I I resonate with that a lot. You know, I've been doing the. Po- So I've been doing the podcast now for almost two years. And now I have a consultancy where I'm helping companies launch their podcasts. I'm a a hypnotherapist on the side. If you told me in Feb 2020 when lockdown happened um, that two years later, this is what I would be doing, not only let alone where I'd be, I would have told you, like, what are you talking about? Like, what, (laughs) how? Why? Um, But one thing you said that really really resonated with me uh, when I was reading online as well, you just mentioned it now. The concept of luck. Now, we all talk about, yes, you need hard work. Yes, you need dedication. Yes, you need consistency. You need... There's a lot of things that are on you in order for it to be successful, but there is that element of luck. And the question I want to ask you is, why is that the element that tends to be not spoken about enough in all these journeys that you hear from all these people that have built Uh, their companies?
1: It takes away from their achievement, doesn't it? Like... You know. Okay. Yeah, it, I get that. Like, so for me, my my achievement in inverted commas as as painful as I, I kind of like to refer to it as. But if you think of that relative success of selling a business, um, for most people, by by confessing that there's an element of luck, you are diminishing what you've achieved. Mm. Whereas I don't see it like that because I've still had to work really hard. I've still had to have that talent but I'm an idiot if I'm going to convince you that I did that without a slice of luck, like, because I know people who work damned harder than me, who are more talented than me, that haven't had that same, and again, I use the inverted commas, success, as I might have had, but that's because I also had that other pillar of luck that was involved, mm. and and it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make a good story if you kind of confess there's a bit of luck, is the truth, and yeah. that's why, like, you know, I, I love, I love making content, I love sharing my story, I like, you know, hopefully helping other people along the way. The reason why, for example, my shit will never go viral and do well is because I'm I'm honest. Whereas if I <laughs> if I dress my story up with a load of bollocks, then then it would go viral. Do you know what I mean? If I kind of played into the whole rags to riches, yeah. Look, I I openly say I'm from a northern a northern working class town. It's called Scunthorpe There's not a lot there. That's part of my story and the truth. However, the other side of the story is. I'm a white male. I I was. My parents lived together. We didn't have loads of money, but we had enough. I never went hungry. I was clothed, you know. But whereas some people would massively lean into the, Mm. uh, you know, hardships, and and it's a lot. It's a load of bollocks, isn't it? Really, a lot of the time. But but people people are a sucker for a good story, and that yeah, that I'd rather just be honest. I'd rather be hard.
0: (laughs) Um, I really respect that man. I think it's. We could we could go online right now and if I wrote like start a business, you've talked about it on your posts and I've heard you mention it in other podcasts that you will find a thousand stories about 10x your income overnight, you know, three quick tips to like success, like all that kind of stuff. But even through your experience, you know, and everyone in the world knows that that's not the case. And I think I love what you said there. Everyone's a sucker for a good story. And I guess that's not something that I... I never thought of it like that it's just oh that's a nice story and that's why like I'm drawn into it but just to come back on the luck for a second um do you believe that you make your own luck because like you said everyone like there are people more for example more talented than you or or worked harder than you but they didn't get that luck so the question I think about is is luck earned or is it just luck
1: yeah it's a really good question I think it You hear people say that phrase a lot, like you make your own look. And I know what they mean. My interpretation of that is I don't think you make your own look because like I say, someone's probably trying to make their own look a lot harder than I am, or they've got more talent to try and make their own look. For me, that by putting in that hard work and by having that natural talent, you can get yourself in a position to benefit from the look. Mm. And I think the bit where it gets slightly confusing. You can do all that hard work. You can put. You can have all that raw talent, but actually, that that luck never comes your way. So you, you're still working as hard as the next person. And um, now, on the flip side, it's that classic: uh, the harder you work, the more luck you might get. There's some element of truth in that, in the sense that uh, you know, I've I didn't just create a business and got lucky. The backstory to that is, I joined the police at eighteen. Which was a young age to join the police. I worked really hard. I studied thirty. Well, I studied full time at university while working thirty hours a week. Like that was a hugely intense period of my. life. And so sure. all those all those things are building blocks. Um, you know, I even I even volunteered at a radio station in that period of time just because I was kind of had an eye on you know a bit more of a creative outlook that maybe I could go down that route. But sure. they are all things that massively helped build to what I did in the end. So it's like. Uh, uh, did i get the look as a direct result of that hard work no because i still needed a look but i that direct hard work got me in the
0: place to benefit from it exactly and i think that's the uh, i think that's the perfect way to talk about it it's not making it is that putting yourself in a position so if it does come around you have opportunity to seize it and make the most of it yeah exactly
1: like so for example my company that was acquired they acquired the company because they wanted um sort of fresh engaging interesting content now if i'd have never started the business or had you know that they would have still that company would have still been looking for that but i wouldn't have been there someone else would have been there and that's the difference in it so it's getting yourself in that shop window to benefit from that opportunity really
0: yeah exactly and that's a, and you said it right that's such a good point that they were looking for it at the time but if you hadn't done anything you wouldn't have been the one to get that that slice of luck as uh, as we've been talking about um i wanted to ask you what how do you think because like you said if you don't try you never know and you ended up where you with uh, with selling that company or even starting that company as a result of all the things you did during that time that led you to that so how would you say i guess your experience in the police and law helped you when it came to actually creating that company Mm,
1: that's a good question as well. Uh I guess for me, the
0: plea
1: the police was just super grounding, like um had to work really, really hard. The money was crap. You know, you got a lot of abuse, really, quite frankly. So it, it certainly made, you know, made me super resilient. And also, as daft as it sounds, like I can pretty much go into any professional situation now. You know, and some people like are really nervous about various things. And I get it, like, you know. I like public speaking, but I still get mega nervous before I go in.
0: Um,
1: However, I always kind of have this sanity check of, yeah, but I'm not going into a house where there's a guy running around with a knife and it's just me and him, you know, and like almost that perspective helps. Mm. So a a little bit of that resilience, the ability to to speak to people from all different backgrounds, I think is mega helpful. Um, I think for me as well, like I always think, it's great to have a level of IQ. That's that's fine and be book smart. But actually, emotional intelligence trumps that. Now I'm I'm all right, book smart. I'm not, I'm not thick, I'm not super, super intelligent. But I think I'm quite good at the emotional intelligence side of thing. And I think that was probably joining the police as young as I did because I had to mature very fast. Mm. And that emotional intelligence weirdly helps with everything from dealing with members of staff, sales massively, massively in sales. Um, so all that really helped. Um, and then I guess the legal side of it, less the legal work itself, because I, I didn't really enjoy that. I still don't enjoy that side of it. Um, but more me joining that law firm massively helped cure, or at least uh, like dampen down my kind of imposter syndrome, I guess. Sure. Because I, I think I still have weirdly like imposter syndrome in, in some avenues of what I do. And I think, yeah, every, everyone does. 100%. And that's something that people need to recognize everyone does, you know, Elon Musk will probably have some things he's feels like he's being an imposter about. Um, but yeah, for me, I think I joined a law firm on the back of a sort of a program for diverse applicants because I was from a, a not particularly affluent background, didn't have very good grades and I was the first generation of my family to go to university. So I kind of went into it uh, through a back door almost that that I should have probably not been there in a way. So I kind of had that going on in my head. But then when I got there, I was like, well, I can do the job. I'm better than half of these people who were Oxford, Cambridge educated, et cetera, et cetera. It helped just me rationalise. Actually, yeah, I'm, I am better than I thought. And I, and I can hold my own in this sort of corporate environment in these glass offices as daft as that sounds um it yeah it it sort of gave me that grounding to think yeah i'm probably more capable than i'm giving myself credit for
0: yeah for sure and that's actually like listening to that the lessons you took from those experiences number one from your work as a police uh police officer like like the example you use like it's just a presentation not a guy running around the house with a knife and (laughs) i have to like take care of it like it's kind of like that you know that old saying what doesn't kill you makes you stronger so in your i guess in your mind you're like i've 100 like like like, please go ahead yeah yeah no 100
1: like you know I, i one of my like great members of staff i had in my business she came to me in tears one day because she'd made a mistake. Like, and she was, she was really worried and shitting herself that she made the mistake. And I was like, chill. Like Mm. no one's died. Like if we'd have made a mistake like this in the police, someone might have died. (laughs) But, 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 you know, this is, we're just dealing with people who've got computers. It's not a problem. Like worst case scenario, we'll just apologize. Don't worry about it. So like just that perspective, it's helpful.
0: hundred percent. And I think also uh, what you were talking about, about, uh, emotional intelligence. I think, prob- I don't know, I think it's always been important, but I feel nowadays more than ever. I think, but, but like yeah. if you look at the last 20 years, it was all about how much knowledge do I have? Like it was all IQ based, you know, what technical skills do I have? But I think the world has shifted to a much more um, personal approach. It's much more important now to be able to deal with people and not just your own emotions, but how to manage teams and. In the zoom world now like all this kind of stuff this is where it has become so important
1: definitely and look you know, you know to, to you can read all the books on marketing but but actually being personable and having creative ideas uh, they don't and, and and that for me uh, creativity and book smarts don't always go hand in hand typically they don't go hand in hand so in the in the area of like TikTok and all this sort of other new marketing waves that we're seeing that inevitably it's actually the the kind of people who are more personable that tend to do better
0: yeah and and you're 100% right man that's that's so so true and on the example that you just mentioned uh about your colleague uh and you know just you telling her like chill whatever i was thinking i'm like the problem in those situations is that everything is um everything's i guess based her perspective is only based on the life experiences and things that she's had. She yeah. hasn't experienced the like the level of stress and anxiety and worry that you have. So for her, it's all relative to I guess your own experiences when it comes to that kind of stuff. What would you say?
1: Yeah, I agree, and it and it is it's relative. Like I think for me, like as a kind of manager, I'd never managed people before, so that was new to me. But I, I guess all I tried to do with stuff like that is emulate the good bosses that I had and, and and do the opposite of the bad ones. But like, you know, I, I was really lucky in my time in the police, particularly, and, and I had a fantastic supervisor in the law firm where I could look to them and go, do you know what? They had these amazing traits. If mm. I can if I can pull out those amazing traits, then I'm going to be a decent-ish boss. I mean, I'm not the person to comment if I've been a decent boss, obviously, <laughs> but, but, you know, trying to at least do my best and and be there as much as I could
0: for the staff and, you
1: yeah, know, do my – yeah. Just try and tra-
0: take those good traits from other people, I think. Yeah, exactly, 100%. And obviously, you know, from those traits, you take them, you take the good from the bad, and you try to implement them to provide the people you're trying to manage or help or support with the same kind of experience. You know, That's how you want them to feel, kind of like what you felt. Um, I wanted to talk about, because you mentioned this. Uh, so I've listened to two podcasts. You're on the one with uh, Habits and the one on Kickoff. Um, and one thing you said, I didn't, and this is a question to, I just wrote down right before we started because it just came into my mind was you mentioned um when you when you start began the start uh, your old, your other business the startup uh it was you and your uh, you and your wife I don't know if she was I can't remember if she was your wife at the time but and it takes time for these things to actually work and to start generating revenue and when it's a single if one person's working and the other's trying to like build a business and stuff and this kind of like I feel such a big time pressure that you want you might you must feel with that because you want to you know also contribute you want to do that but this is like also your dream and you think that you see the potential for this in the future so i guess could you tell us a bit about how did you manage you know that experience you know because the longer it goes on the harder things yeah. get and that's starts it's to affect relationship and everything super tough yeah so you
1: gotta think when i when i first met my wife or now wife i was coming out of the police so she joined she kind of came on board and we kind of joined forces at a point in my life where I was moving city to go be a solicitor at this big city law firm. So like if I put myself in her shoes, she's kind of like got with a guy who's going to go on to like, hopefully have a, a good job. He, he literally sits down the first day of the job and says, yeah, fucking hate this. <laughs> uh, I want to start my own business. Um, but to her credit, she, she's she's been phenomenally supportive all the way through everything I've done. And uh, I've sort of, we, we've sort of stopped a few times. I've said like, why, why, like why, why did you put your faith in it and me? And she's like, because I just trusted that you'd be able to do it. And and you, I think if you if you're if you're starting a business and you're lucky to be in a relationship, they need to know and be hundred percent on board because I think you, you're going to put them through the mill anyway. Um, so like you know when I, I'd obviously quit my job within months of getting um being qualified so a trainee salary in the UK for a solicitor that I was on I was on 25k I qualified which put me up to I think I think it was 38k so like a decent wage but then within months I just quit that so like literally I've worked all that I've worked so hard to get to that higher wage and then I have mm. just jacked it in and to go down to nothing and I, and I managed to blag a part-time lecturing gig just to pay some bills which was which was something um, but but yeah I mean we relied solely really apart from me getting a few hundred quid here and there for lecturing on her bringing in the bacon and, and paying for the bills and she's you know she's a teacher she wanted a mega money um, so we we kind of adjusted our lifestyles accordingly we didn't have a nice car we didn't genuinely we didn't really go out much so we just bought a house needed loads of things due into it couldn't afford to do all that so we're kind of living in a house which was a bit shit we had newspapers on our bedroom windows for about six months like not even kidding you because we, wow. we didn't we didn't have the money for curtains we got curtains as a christmas present like that is just stupid in it but we kind of made those sacrifices and, you know we didn't go on holidays we, we curbed going out for meals all that sort of stuff and that sounds a little bit like i don't know a bit like we were knuckling down and we didn't enjoy it but actually we loved that because we in fairness we we were very lucky to get our own house and we we cherished that and we weren't asked we were quite happy in the house with some cheap beers from the shop as we were going out and having a nice meal because we were quite happy just in our house in each other's company. So we, we were very lucky but yeah it, it was a it was a long journey. Yeah. Um then I started the private investigation so I was just starting to make some money from that and then we were we we've gone to the gym one morning. And I said to her I've had this idea to build this other business and it, it's a scalable business that I think you know longer term will be better for us and she was like yeah whatever we literally were just sat on the sort of benches in the gym side by side she said yeah well, what, if you think that's what we should do then go for it and that's crazy isn't it like when you think you know, she'd see me go from police to solicitor, jack the solicitor, start this new business, jack that in effectively to then go for this harebrained idea of something I, bear in mind, I had no experience of. Um And she went, yeah, just just go for it. And she bought into that. And, uh, you know, she was she was a full-time teacher. She was tutoring on the side. She was, I roped her into doing the voiceovers for all the online training. So she was working damn hard with me as well. Um, and yeah, I, I'll, you know, I owe her a lot for that.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And that's, it's a beautiful story, man. And I really, um, I really respect, you know, because I, like you said, it's, I feel as since you're the one who's got like, you're, you're trying to do all these different things. You're just trying to, you're trying to, you know, make that one thing work. It, not only is it pressure on you as the person to make it work for yourself, but when you're in a relationship, there's another person that you have to care about. And there's also, you know, a time factor because the longer things go on, the harder things get and so on. Yeah. So listening to that story is super refreshing. But I wanted to ask you, if to all the people out there that are looking to start a business right now, that are in married or in relationships, uh, long-term relationships that are living together, you know, you share basically, that are sharing a life together. What advice um, would you have to them if they do want to make that decision? What are some of the things that, you know, could maybe help them get through it
1: i think having some real honest conversations with one another about expectations and you know as naive as naive as everyone is when they first start a business they think they're going to make money quickly and the reality is that probably won't happen it depends if you're yeah. doing a service if you're doing a service based business you probably can get up and running quite quickly if you're launching like in my case of software as a service that's going to take a long long time to build so having those honest conversations and being brutally honest, mate, it, I think these couples need to also think about what do they want in the short term? Because if you're really, really committed to, for example, you want a sale of a business, you are going to have to sacrifice a lot. And you're going to have, that means your holidays, your nice car that you've leased, you know, all your meals out, all these things that we love to do in life. Not saying that everyone will have to do this, but I think for the vast majority, if you're serious about scaling your business, you are going to have to cut them back. Mm. And uh, and I, you know, I I can look back in hindsight and say, you know, thankfully that worked out for me. But it might not have done. We might have sacrificed all that shit and never got there. So there's that there's that honesty you need to have with one another. Um, that I think is really important because yeah, it, there's a lot of sacrifice there. And, and for me, just for context, the reason why we. Both were happy having those sacrifices. You know, we could have taken a wage out earlier, we could have gone on holidays. The theory always was between me and my wife, and it was a shared mentality, was why would we take 10 or 20 grand out of the business when we could hire someone or we could spend 10 grand on that? Or, you know, and, and basically build the business. Let's keep building as long as we can and, and live like this this very almost minimal lifestyle in terms of luxuries for as long as we can be asked. Um, and like almost endure in a way yeah. in the hope that it'll pay off and obviously we were very lucky that it did pay off it might not have done um but and, and to be honest at that point where we were getting to where the exit was we we're at that point where the endurance probably was wearing thin so mm. we probably would have started to pull money out of the business and enjoy life a bit more and, and take money out of the business and you know and accept that but Certainly there's going to be short term
0: pain for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. And I think, I think that's some um, really, really great advice, man, because I think that's that this part of like the startup discussion is something that isn't talked about much. And I think, like you said, having a brutally honest conversation with your partner, I think you, like you said, you both need to be comfortable with the journey you're you're about to, you're about to go on. Um, and it's, and i think you have to also kind of kind of like you said be be resourceful with how you spend your money like instead of like you said instead of paying 10 grand now to like let's go on vacation or whatever why don't we hire someone to move this forward you know but like you said <clears throat> there is a time limit on that and it, everyone's will be different and also to to keep it real is sometimes it doesn't work sometimes it it might it just might not work out and on on that part so in uh, one of the podcasts you were talking about, you were talking about how a lot of times many startups think they're going to be you know, the, next, the next unicorn. Which if we're looking at reality, probably not the case. We can look at the stats, look whatever, it's probably not the case. But I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I'm kind of like, okay, there's reality and there's like my dream. You know what I mean? That dream. You know, this is what I've always wanted to do. I'm doing the startup. This is the dream I've always wanted. You know, to make it successful, to make it big, and so on. And sometimes the reality has could be so stacked against you that that dream seems so out of reach. But that's why I look at people like, um, like think about. I'm. I was. <laughs> I had a podcast the other day, and I said the same thing about Elon Musk. Like, this guy. Imagine I came to you. I'm like, hey, bro. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. Make an electric car company and it's gonna take over the world. Oh, also, I'm gonna to go to space uh, for like a tenth of the cost. Like, it's that, see, that's the dream. And then the reality at that point is you're out of your fucking mind. But he did it. But there's, but again, we come back to that. It's, it's not, it's almost not supposed to happen. You know what yeah. I mean? So, how do you yeah. kind of like balance that, like, dream versus reality?
1: Uh, Really good question. I think, so Elon Musk is a really interesting one because I think when you look at his background, you realise he had a head start (laughs) uh, compared to to most. Um, If I'd have tried to do what he's done with Tesla, no chance, you know, I just just didn't have the backing financially, not from the right background, all that sort of stuff. Um, But yeah, it's really interesting because I sometimes can be perceived as negative because I like tell people, I guess what I see as the reality yeah um, that's not to say you shouldn't pursue your dream all I sometimes think is it's about tapering the dreams so like okay people think they people think they're going to start the next unicorn you're probably not statistically you're probably not so that's a simple obvious statement well I think the thing that people get maybe caught up on is they think in order to be like a multimillionaire, you need to have a unicorn idea mm. you don't There are tons and tons and tons of millionaires that you've never heard of. So you don't don't need to be Elon Musk or Zuckerberg to be super wealthy and have a, a dream lifestyle. You just need to come up with a business that can get you there. And the business might not be sexy. It could be boring as shit. It could be something that there's already... A million competitors in it but you just do something better like yeah. you don't i think it's, you don't always have to have a unique idea and i think sometimes people place that that dream they attach it to a unique idea and i and, and i think that's where it gets a bit blurred whereas actually i'm all for dreaming like dream big go big you know i like you said if i look back 10 years i'd have been buzzing to to kind of have the last 10 years that i've had um but I'm not done yet. And I'm still, I've got aspirations and what I want to achieve in the next 10 years. I'm, and I'm dreaming big, but I'm also, you know, a realist. So <laughs> it's, like, it's just, just having, you know, dream, please, please, please do dream big, but just don't get caught up in this sort of social media hype around investment and, you know you've got to be Zuckerberg or Musk or whatever to 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 be innovative commerce successful you can you can be a millionaire with a pretty boring business
0: absolutely man and i th- i love what you said that i love the way you talked about it tapering your dream and i think and that's not to say to you know not like you're saying not dream big you know not have that big vision what you want for your life what you think success is you know that huge huge you know level of success is i think it's tapering your dream to i think a dream like i was just this just i thought about this now i think your dream should be broken down into stages that's yeah. how you taper it out so like my dream is in two years i want to have two million dollars in the bank okay that's one dream cool and then that's not the big dream but this is my like first dream it kind of becomes kind of like i guess kind of like goal setting in yeah, 100%, a way 100
1: and that and that's a really good example because say you want to go from not to two million pounds in two years right so let's work backwards from that how much are you going to have to earn month by month to get that you know or or how much revenue is a business going to need to have to have a potential exit value of that if I made that business, who would buy that business? You know, so you can work backwards from your goals. Um, but just yeah, and I guess why I say like tapey dreams. Like I know someone who was adamant they wanted to sell out a business for fifty million. Like okay. That was the number they, they had in their head. Okay. Great, super, super admirable. Blah blah blah. Um, I sold for less than fifty million. Uh, I won't tell you how much because it's personal. But sure, it wasn't, it wasn't fifty million. Um, <laughs> And, and we had the discussion and he was like, I don't think I'd sell for what you sold for because I want to hit 50 million. And I was like, yeah, OK, fair enough. I completely understand that. But then six months later, he's out of business. OK. So, you know, you've also got to recognize when there's a good deal on the table. Mm. And, that's, and that's not, you know, not being belligerent. It's not being arrogant with in pursuit of your dreams as well it's also being realistic like for, for me it was a fantastic offer it's a multi-million pound offer and I you know I couldn't say no because that that gives me the scope to basically do whatever I want in terms of career aspirations home life you know you name it but I could have if I'd have had this weird dream in my head or, or number that I'd fixated on I'd have said no to that mm. but that 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 exit that I've had might well be the key to another big exit later down the line. Yeah. It's just, it, it's, it's a balance. But I think sometimes people get so hooked on their dreams that they lose sight of them weirdly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I I, I totally understand that. And you kind of just segued perf- perfectly onto my next question because this is something I think that not a lot of people talk about either is knowing when to exit so and you just told you you were just talking about how for you the exit made like it made sense because it opened so many other doors for you and probably maybe took you to that next to you know push you to the next chapter or the next place that you actually <clears throat> were looking to go to but yeah. the question i have for you is you know like how do you know when it's the right time to exit You know, there's all these stories, like, for example, um, Facebook wanted to buy, I can't remember when, uh, they wanted to buy Snapchat for a billion. They said, no, a billion dollars. And they said, no. And then I think four years later, it was worth like 10, 15 billion. And so it's it's a two-part question. How do you know when it's the right time to exit? Especially because, and especially when you have that, this is my baby. You know, the business, you have that emotional attachment, you know, to your business and, rightly so you've invested so much time and effort and resources and money and over your life to get this to where it is and now sometimes i guess you can feel like you're just letting it go it's you know there's a struggle there's a struggle there between do i let this go now or is this a this offer might not might not come back you know how do you how do you make that decision it's yeah it's super difficult like no question about it
1: like I, i definitely had that kind of moment where I was like right I either can sell this for what is a very very good offer and these are the implications positive implications it'll have for my life or do I keep it and keep working on it in the hope that I eventually get a bigger offer where I sort of settled in my mind and and again I think it's probably a personality type I settled in my mind I was like well I'm In my mind, I'm now gambling that number on a future event. Mm. I, in a, truth, truthfully, I'm relatively confident I could have built that business. Well, I, I would have carried on building it, no question. But I'm, I'm very confident about that. However, I might not have got that other bit of luck that I need again. Maybe that's my luck. So, uh, how far do I push it? In? And also, like, how how greedy are you? Like, that's a great point. <laughs> And, you know, with respect, there's only so much you can do with money and how much you want to do with money. And, that, and that's it's a super relative thing I completely appreciate. But for me, it was like life-changing amount of money, I can buy a dream house, can pursue multiple other investments, can, you know, support my family. We, we can do, you know, largely do what we want. So it's like, well, what more than that would I want? Would I want to buy a football team? Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, because you know, it, it, it becomes like a silly, a point past which people get too rich. Like, you know, I think I don't think we should have billionaires. Personally, you know, I think it's ridiculous. It's just a stupid level of wealth, and um, that's completely unnecessary. So it's kind of it's kind of that. So I just say to people like, if they're if they're in a position and knowing when to sell, like. How greedy are you? Like, what what do you really want, and and will that actually build like give you the happiness? Is that is that what you're after? And that, some people it will maybe, but I largely think it won't. In terms of like that emotional attachment to the business, that's a really good point. I yeah. um, the conversation is it was really interesting. I, I had quite a lot of conversations with my mom. She's in no way business minded, um, but she was always like quite direct. Will you regret selling it? And I was like, "Hmm, will I regret selling it?" That is a really good question, and and it's something I mulled over for quite a while. And for me, I always had built it with the thought of I might eventually sell it. Okay, So so I didn't feel overly emotionally invested in it. I I loved what we'd built. I loved the brand. I loved everything about it, but it wasn't something that i felt like i was selling part of my soul for plus i i got such a good deal out of it that it it was a fair trade is probably the way to put it so it's not like you know if i'd if if i'd, have, if, I'd have, if i look back now and thought oh I, I sold too cheap there i'd have that regret i think but but because for me the value in it was more than fair i was like this is yeah this is a no-brainer really. Um, and I always said, I always said I don't want to regret selling it because for sure. I don't. I don't think you'll get loads of opportunities to build great businesses. And I, and I you know, I, I was in the process of building one. So I always, yeah, I always said I don't want to ever regret selling it. And you know, hand on hat, I can say I don't have a single regret. And that that is super like freeing because then I absolutely- know, then I know for me that was the right decision. And there's multiple reasons, that, and some of which I've just spoke about, like the, the value, the timing, because COVID had just kicked off. Um, probably even my own interest levels, as daft as that sounds, like would I have had that same tenacity that I had for those first three years for the next three years? Probably not. Um, I think I've become to I've become to realise that about my personality type. I, I like new challenges. Um, so, so would I have held it back as it grew? Possibly. So, there's lots of different factors. Um, so, yeah, I, if if someone's building a business, I'd say try not to get too emotionally invested in it because you you if you if you're thinking about selling it, um, and then whatever you do, you need to have no regrets. But always ask yourself, am I being greedy? Like 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 Snapchat. You know, don't be wrong. They obviously got valued more but might not have done and you might have just kissed goodbye to a billion dollars <laughs> yeah. and, and like you know really like how much more money if someone if someone gave you a hundred million pounds or gave you 200 million pounds or 10 million pounds or 20 million pounds how much different would really that make you're still going to buy a big house buy a twatty car go on a nice <laughs> It's true, though, isn't it? Like the the you know all you're gonna do is buy a sports club or some <laughs> shit like that. You know, if, the difference is if I'd have sold for a hundred million, I'd have probably bought my local football team, which yeah, would, sure. would, have been, would have been terrible business. Yeah. You know it's like I don't know. Have have an awareness of what what you need to be happy.
0: Yeah, I think man, that's so many, so many, so many, so many great points there. Number, you know, all the questions, all the things. That I guess for anyone considering an exit or in the future planning you know an exit for the business you know how greedy are you um will you have do you still have the same interest in the business that you did when you started um how good is like how good is the deal you don't want to sell it for you know you don't want to sell it for cheap for cheap either but i think the main thing um that i took from that is not necessarily on the regret but asking yourself the questions Let's say I'm getting 10 million pounds for this deal. What What are the things I want to do in life? What are the things that I need a certain amount of money to accomplish or do? Does this yeah. satisfy them? Okay, then I don't. Yeah, it. It's again, it's a very personal thing. Everyone's going to oh. struggle with it on so many ways, and, and that's it. If someone, yeah, if
1: someone says to you. Right, here's 10 million today for your business that it is now. If 10 million is enough for you to do whatever you want in life and achieve the things you've always wanted to achieve, yeah, get out. Yeah, sure, negotiate hard and make sure there's no money left on the table. Of absolutely. But, but you've got the option then to take that 10 million or you could keep working for another 10 years and, and get 20 million. But how much that extra 10 million, what, what are you going to do with that? That's really going to change your life that much compared to that. It's relative, though, isn't it? If, you, if, you know, if you're in a starting position, of, like, for example, if I built another business, would I sell that next business for what I sold this business? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe I'd want more. But, again, it comes back to what would I want the money for? Yeah. You know, what am I going to do with that money? So, again, it'd be being realistic about what you need from it or, or maybe what you're going to do with that money. And you might you might be – you know, you might have plans to be very charitable with that money. You might have plans to help out, you know, underprivileged sectors of the community or whatever it might be. So, yeah, they might be different drivers, but if it's just cars, house, blah, blah, blah. Like for me, for example, I have, uh, we bought a fantastic sort of dream house, it, it's like everything we have ever wanted. It's not, however, where all the footballs live because I personally couldn't think of anything fucking worse than that. (laughs) But but, but for some people, that's their dream, isn't it? Yeah. So their their dream house will cost more than my dream house because they they aspire to live in that place. Whereas I, like I said, I literally couldn't think of anything worse. So it's just relative. It's just relative. It depends what your personality is like, I think.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I think it is, like you said, it's super relative. I think also... I think what you're doing is also super important. Like, what type of business is this? If, it's, if you're doing something, because I think you made a, such a great point earlier that everyone thinks uh, if you want to do a startup, it has to be this unique idea that no one's thought of. But all you need, like, uh, I've, I've been watching Shark Tank for years. I know it's all glamorized and stuff, but the shit they talk about is really, you know, what are sales? What is this? What is that? Is this a better product than what's out there? Just, yeah. It just needs to be better. If it's well, better, yeah. you're good.
1: Well, if you take, yeah, take my business that I, I sold, for example. It was online security training. So just literal online training about phishing emails, passwords, all that sort of shit. Like there are loads of companies out there doing them. Not, not millions, but, it's, you know, there's a lot already there. When I entered the market, there was the biggest competitor had just been valued at a billion dollars.
0: Wow. And then (laughs) there was
1: me with my laptop that turned off every 10 minutes, my wife doing voiceovers (laughs) on a shit microphone that we bought for like 20 quid. And you're thinking like, am I mental? Like what am I doing competing against that? But also I looked at their training and I was like, the training content they provide is crap. Like it's rubbish. I've got no experience in animation or creating training, but I just thought, fuck it. I can probably do something better than that. Mm. So I just literally, my sole kind of initial challenge was their training's crap. Can I make it better than that? And that's all I did. I just made it better than that. And then I went to like local networking events, really small stuff with with very small companies. Got my first client on. they had three employees. It was 15 pounds a month. Like obviously not going to make me a millionaire. (laughs) But but I I managed to show them what I'd made. They liked it. They thought it was going to be interesting, a good way to help train the staff because they were struggling to know how to communicate that. And then over time, that built and I got a 20-person company, a 50-person company, 100, 1,000, 5,000. And then all of a sudden, your contracts are going from 15 pounds a month to like five grand a month. And then, you know, you can see how it can scale quite quickly there. Um, But yeah, when I started... Massive players in the game, but I just looked at what they were doing, and I went, I can do that better. Yeah, and that is, that is as simple as that. And it's you know online training. That's like probably one of the most boring sectors there is. Um, but yeah, can you just disrupt it? You don't, you know. And sometimes it's even it's even simpler than that. Can you do it better, cheaper, faster? You know, whatever it might be. There's so many permutations of anything. Yeah, because um, I always say there's there aren't really any unique ideas anymore that's why movies keep getting remade um mm. remakes the sequels because there aren't that many unique ideas and that the same applies to business there are some but not many yeah so can you do it better can you
0: execute it better that's it yeah no 100% man and i think um i think you made a really good point that uh it is there is there seem there does seem to be like a lack of unique idea, something that no one else in the world has thought of, tried, or is doing. You know what I mean. And I think their example use is great. That's why things get remade. That's why when one new company, when there is that one unique idea, there's like ten copies of that because that's the yeah. new thing down the line. You know, like Instagram was the one. Okay, then all that came. Then Snapchat came, and then all that came. um yeah. I think it's just how it works. I think it's just like, I think that's just the way it is nowadays. But on the point that you made. Which I think is super important because this is something I think about a lot. Uh, when you're talking about like you know all you need to do is uh, s- faster, cheaper, or or better. Those three, besides the idea itself, you can do and one or any of those three things. You have something you know you have something to do. So when we talk about things like barriers to entry, now you hear this all the time. You know, especially in the, as a, as like as a startup or in the startup world that. Oh, I want to go into uh, the restaurant industry. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's lots of competition there. Okay, I want to go into the hotel industry. Oh, so, uh, no matter what you talk about, no matter what it's about, there's a shitload of competition Correct. everywhere. So I never, I've never understood why. Just because there is, why would that stop me from doing it if I can do one of those three things? Yeah, yeah, and, and and if if anything, I would say having a competitor in that space should give you some reassurance that it's
1: got you know room for growth. So when oh, I look that's to that, gonna,
0: that's really true. Actually, yeah.
1: Well, because otherwise, you know, if, if there's competitors in there, it means and they've been around for a while and they're doing well. Well, it means there's there's. Business there clearly, and also the world's a big place. There's enough business for everybody. Um, so, like for me, when I looked at that company, it was to, uh, just been valued at a billion dollars. I was like, look, clearly, I cannot compete with them on probably most areas of business, obviously. But can I just do that one thing that they do in in that little section and do it better, and just work on that? And my theory was, well, look, fucking hell, they've just been valued at a billion dollars. My training's better then, you know, you're on to a winner, aren't you? Really? So, it's yeah, Just don't be afraid by, you know, don't be scared off by competitors.
0: Yeah, but I think you said such a great point that I've never even thought of is if there are competitors, that is reassuring because that shows you there's business there. And I've never looked at it or thought of it that way. That, like, just blew my mind with that because it's so true. Because you think competition, like, is you know, move away, you know, competition, bad. But if there's competition, like, oh, okay, so there's room. There's room for more competition, I guess, in the space. Yeah, look, the world's a huge place. Like, there's, you know, yeah. you could start up,
1: uh, you know, start up exactly the same business that I had again, and there'd still be space for it. You'd still have to do loads right to earn the customers, but there'd still be space for
0: it. Yeah. I wanted to uh come on to, so, a couple of different points that you talked about um when you are talking about what are the things like tips to start a business and what are some of the mistakes, mistakes that people make. Now, one thing, and this one is also kind of a personal question. So I'm genuinely curious how you think of it. I know you were, when you, so you did law, then you are doing that private investigative thing for a while. So that was like consulting. And then you created your the online platform, right? And the online platform was something that's scalable uh, because it's SaaS and so on. So, you know, it just it's you have the thing and it's just more customers. Everything's ready there. Now, in a service, in the work like I do or other other people who have businesses that is just them. Like, I'm the entire business. You know, I'm the consultant. I'm the producer. I'm this. I'm that. Like, there's no team around me. There's no one. I literally, I am. I am the service. I offer yeah. the service, but I am the service too. So, the question I had to you is, when the business is structured like that, or it is like in my case, that's kind of how it is what advice would you have to someone like that how do you how do how do you start scaling that and cuz you talked about how important it is to find support but i'm like i don't know what but if i'm the business what support you know do i need you know it's it's a tricky it's a tricky thing when it's when you're, when you're yeah. in that freelance world
1: yeah so the question then probably is how for example in in your shoes where you, you're the uh, you know do, you do everything how you could then make it a scalable offering really? yeah ex- that- exactly yeah so I think you you probably have to think about how you want to scale it. So when you're doing a service-based business, the obvious way to scale it is to add more people into that business who can help you provide more service. Mm. So you, know, you you'd hire other, another three people effectively to do your job, and and that's kind of the the classic sort of marketing agency route, really. Um, now that's that's very different to trying to create a scalable platform for example yeah. and, and they're very different for multiple reasons obviously one's selling time still but you're just adding multiples of people to sell the time the other one's in a platform which is infinitely scalable essentially as long as the tech holds out now just before i kind of go into the answer two things to think about with that are if you want an exit as an example um you will get an infinitely higher valuation on a scalable software platform than you will on a service-based business. Absolutely. So as a rough, you know, as a rough guide, you know, a software business you can get ten x revenue, um, whereas a, a service-based business it, it varies massively. But you know, let's put three x on it. But yeah, you can get a significant for your software. So you might want to think about, you know, what what do you want? Um, and they all come with a, header, a different array of headaches, like. I don't, I don't think service is easier than SaaS. I don't think SaaS is easier than service because while with service, you might have people to manage and the problems that that brings and hiring and firing more people, SaaS brings you technology problems, platforms, yeah. outages, developer costs, you know, endless stuff. Um, so my first kind of question for people looking to maybe branch out and, and uh, think about creating something bigger is which way do you think you might want to go? And that could be massively determined by what you're offering, obviously. Mm, sure. You know, however, as is quite popular these days, it's about thinking about what are the opportunities to make something scalable in, in your niche. So for example, in podcast producing like you do, it might be uh, it might be an online course. I mm. mean, that's super that's a super obvious thing at the moment. Sure. So that's a sort of fairly scalable solution it might be some sort of software which helps people determine better analytics for the for the impact or the ROI that that podcast is having Mm. because you know i run a podcast and that's really hard to determine and so it could be like some sort of tech analytics type thing so it's about thinking of what the problems are that you could solve and so it might be you want to help everyone launch a really good podcast, and that might be why a course might work well. But you might also recognise in your industry or your sector, well, no one can put the finger on the value that brings or if they spend X, Y, you know, what I don't know, whatever it might be, but yeah. think, thinking about the problems that might be in that sector that you're in and then thinking how to tackle them. And that, and if it's a tech platform, obviously, it's infinitely more scalable, but if it's infinitely more scalable, you need a mass market. Yeah. So... It just depends. It's it's about kind of testing out and when. But interestingly, before I started the cybersecurity business, that wasn't one of the ideas that I had. One of the ideas that I had, um, I I done a little bit of intellectual property law at the law firm, um, and I found it interesting. And I I I, I got on the call someone um, via, via LinkedIn, and I went and spent the day at, uh, at Adidas. Oh and, wow! Uh,
0: okay,
1: a guy, a guy, and literally that was just me messaging him on LinkedIn, had a phone call. Basically, said I'd love to come in and see what you do day to day to see if I can find a problem, like as in, is there a is a is there something that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing? And so went went in. He was a really nice guy. Really, really grateful for his time. And I we chatted through all the systems that he uses and and basically why that system isn't as good as it could be mm. and. I didn't end up going into anything that we discussed, but just doing that alone, you were like, shit, they're using this system, which actually doesn't really give them all the data that they need. And if I could create something that did that job, but for everybody, mm. that would be a multi-million pound idea. Um, so, yeah, it's about being open to pain points and it needs to be a big yeah. enough pain point for people to solve. And so in my case, my example was cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is still a hot topic, but was a super hot topic three years ago, four years ago when I started, or five years ago now. Um, it was a super hot topic and small businesses were struggling to know how to deal with it. So yeah. it was a, nat- a natural pain point. I knew people were already doing it. I could plug it at that gap with better training, targeted at a smaller audience, and then I grew that. So yeah, it's about, you know, in your case, what are the problems that mm. people are facing around your skill set?
0: Yeah, I think that's That's really, 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 really good advice. um, To look out and actually maybe even seek out the pain points that are whatever in your industry and see, number one, do I have the skills to solve that? If I don't, how would it take me long to to do that? And then Then try to you know combine combine a couple of things together. So I think there's a lot of different options, but I guess that's the mindset if you're going if you're a solopreneur quotation marks and you're the business. That's how. I guess that is what opens you up to to scale for a potential scale.
1: You've got to find the opportunity. Like anyone can make an online course and and you can make a lot of money doing that. But can you find, you know, can you find a problem? Like I had no right to ring up some guy from Adidas and ask for a day in the office with him. And like, I'm not even a tech guy. So for (laughs) me to go go into a business and go, yeah. uh," And like trying to, I was just like literally as a sponge, taking all the information in to think, is that a problem? Can, could I fix that? Is there a way I could fix that? And then I took took those things away and I spoke to a couple of developers like, oh, well, this is their problem that they're having, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it never went anywhere because yeah. I ended up moving the idea, but that process was still super useful.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And that's really, really great advice. So so I really appreciate it. Also, personally for myself, that's a good way to think about it. Um, one of the things when you talked about um, how... People chase the wrong things. Now, th- when you said that, I'm like, that was really like a like a spark. I'm like, okay, what does he mean by that? Because at the end of the day, as I'm going to assume, business in general, not nonprofits, right? The point of a business is to make profit, right? And you said yeah. specifically, you know, follow the money. That should be the primary goal of whatever business you're doing. That should be the focus. So the question I have to you is, why are there so many so many companies that they're just focused on growth and, you know, investment as being more important. You know, you get a big investment. We just want to grow, 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 grow. But then you're going to reach a point you're not making profit. So that burn rate is going to run out decently. And then you ha- you raise again and it goes up, you raise again and it goes up. So the question I have for you is how do, how does that, how could, how does a company grow? How does that work when you're not making profit and but the value of your business is somehow growing, but you're not profitable. I don't, in my mind, I don't understand it. So I'm curious to see. Oh, it's what, a it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? I, I, yeah. I, I
1: always call it. It's the, it's the kind of Uber argument, isn't it? Because like, yeah, yeah are exactly. They, you know, are they even making money yet? I don't even know. I've lost interest in trying to keep track of that. Um, the the theory behind that, I think, is if you can if you can demonstrate traction, take investment, demonstrate more traction, and it's continuing to build, um, then Obviously, the valuation as the founder is getting better, but still, the business still needs to be profitable. That's the whole point of the business, as you say. Mm. So it's like, when is it going to
0: become
1: profitable? Now, I guess it's different appetites. Like, There'll be the VC funds who are chasing this unicorn, yeah. and they're willing to bankroll it, come hell or high water. Um, but I think the problem we have with that is media puts a really unhealthy obsession on that. Um, and, and, and investment as a whole so small businesses um, and I, when I say small business I include anything you know under 10 million in that they they have a warped view of what investment should be or, or what it really means and you know I, I see it I see it at all levels like I see it as startups I spoke to a startup who was going through funding to raise 300 grand I think it was like off a 3 million valuation And they'd like sold like no product. Like, you know, I could nearly count on my hands and toes how much they've sold. And it's like, that is fucking bonkers. Like raising that much money with that sort of valuation, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot because then what happens is you get a valuation like that and then you are probably not going to prove the traction that you think you are. And therefore, if you want to get any more money, they're not no one's going to play ball with you because you've you've gone in way too high early whereas really what you should do is almost the sort of shark tank dragon's den thing where you go to one two three private angel investors you probably give away a bit more money than you'd like that's a bit more equity than you'd like but you get that early traction you get that help rather than going trying to be too big too early which i do yeah. see happen quite a lot yeah um, yeah, so there's a weird obsession with with investment, um, yeah. and it's unhealthy, I think, overall. Yeah, you, don't go wrong. Some businesses need it. I should add. Sure, um, for sure, absolutely. I, like you know, I, I'm I'm looking at a few business that I'm involved in. We're looking at it because it might we might need it. It might be the thing that gets us to the next level without having to grind, 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 grind. Um, but by the same token, you don't always need it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And for like using your example, you didn't get in any investment you bootstrapped it and you built you know you built the business and, and then eventually sold it. And I know and like you correctly said, I think the media and there's a warped perception of this drive for investment when you know when you're a startup, you know, you hear all the time this X company raised five million, ten million. I always thought that the bigger your valuation, no matter the stage, the better. But I learned from honestly from a TV show that that is a bad th- that is a bad yeah, thing. Yeah. Well, you exactly. Know? I mean,
1: like, you have a business worth two million quid on paper because that's what evaluation says. But no fuckers going to pay you two million pound for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not worth two million quid, is it? It's just a vanity. You know, it's just a pure. It's a vanity metric, really. Yeah,
0: yeah, hundred percent. And you said that you said very. Uh, you said um, bu- you said to build it first and then you know try to look for something like that. But also. I know you're not. Listen. I, what I appreciate is you said it in the other podcast. You're like, I'm not a. Ag- I'm not anti-investment. I just don't think that should be the primary objective. So now the question I have for you, because now you're 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 now also in a position to invest. So when you're looking at it as an investor now, do you run through the same kind of questions when you're looking to invest in a company? Like, do they need it, or is it more yeah. from just a personal thing that like I think I can make a good return on this? and this is why I'll never be a great investor, truth be told. Because I, uh,
1: not not as in I won't be a good investor, make good investments, I will, but because I'm probably too honest. And that comes down to that question of greed earlier. So I had someone come to me the other day with an amazing business idea, amazing. And she'll know who I'm talking about when, when she hears this. Got a business idea, her and a partner, proven model, They've already had some major, major interest. They don't have loads of money to start out, but the contracts that they can get in the short, you know, in the next two or three months would be more than enough to make that a completely bootstrap business. More than enough. Yeah. And I said to myself, like, you know, I can give you 10 or 20 grand here, you know, to, to take some of your you know, take some you know, I don't know, 10% equity or whatever. However, you don't need it you don't need it like if you if you do that now you're going to give that away now uh that person has actually gone somewhere else and they've they've offered her that and she's accepted it so i talked myself out talked myself out talked myself out of what would have been a very good investment but i maintain they didn't need it so why would i try and Tell them i convince them that they do. Just for what? For my for me to have some greed, like more money. Mm. What's the point now?
0: Yeah. Now that's that's bad
1: business, obviously. But but we don't always have to be dickheads in business, is my view. So yep. why not like you know, I, I get a much bigger buzz out of seeing people succeed and do well. And I still help her and I give her advice and all that for free because I want her to do well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't th- I don't think we should always be in it for what's in it for me. Cause like my view is. I've done all right. I'm
0: I'm 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 fine now. I don't need anything else from other
1: people. Like
0: yeah. And it feels good now now you're in a position that you can give you can like give back. And which is what yeah. you're doing exactly with, you know, with uh GoFounders, which I'm gonna which i I was gonna come on to I'm gonna yeah. come on to in just a minute. I just had one more yeah, thing yeah, I wanted yeah. to touch on with um 'cause you talk uh you talk about this a lot of the time on LinkedIn and stuff, you know the Um, the bullshit gurus, the, you know, overnight success, the getting paid, you know, while you sleep, like all that bullshit. And the question I have is, number one, I love that there's someone on LinkedIn actually, like, speaking out, like, properly, please, because I feel, I I don't know about you, Eddie, I, like, I know it's important to be on LinkedIn. I know it's active. I I really was for a while, but honestly, I I was exhausted. I'm like, every day I'm commenting, oh, um, love this, you know, this is my view. Like, it's never... My comments were never in disagreement. They were always in support, and not. I wasn't. I wasn't commenting on a post just to comment on a post. If I liked it, okay, I would say something. But there's. I feel there's. It's a very one direction, one perspective. You know, it's almost Instagramy, but in yeah. a business way. You know, on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, popularist, if that's a word. Yeah,
0: yeah. There you go. Exactly. So my question is why? I guess why do why are people so drawn to this kind of, like to these gurus and to these overnight successes? Because read all the top guys in the world, anyone who has started a business and made it successful and launched it. Like it took years, it took grind, it took hard work, but still this guy can sing. He can give it to me in three months. So is it just laziness and not no yeah. patience? It's like, what is it? Uh, yeah, exactly that. I think it's, it's, we live in a
1: world where anyone can like make themselves appear more successful than they are. Um, and I kind of always say when I'm doing little talks that I am just another dickhead on the internet. So <laughs> don't take what don't take what I'm saying as gospel either. Like what worked for me might not work for you. Just because yeah. I've got an opinion doesn't make it right. Um but I think anyone can portray that they're successful because they can rent the nice car, they can get a picture next to a plane or whatever. Bullshit! It is that they're posing with, and people buy into that because they're looking for an escape, and, a, and people want to escape quickly. People rarely want to escape in three years' time, having worked their ass off. They want to escape the position they're in right now because they hate their boss. Blah blah blah, uh, and, and very rarely want to uh, really knuckle down and sacrifice things. Either they 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 want everything without sacrifice, so they 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 hate their job um but they're not giving up their leased car they want to keep their mercedes they want to go on holiday to dubai twice a year or go skiing or whatever it might be um so they're not that they're not that motivated to escape whereas these people are offering them a a way to maintain their current lifestyle realistically as well as like get this overnight instant gratification and 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 that's a, a problem with society is instant gratification, isn't it? That's why yeah. we're, all, we're all hooked on social media. It's why, you know, things like Tinder are more successful than probably other dating apps because there's an instant gratification in in, in like, you know, being liked or, uh, I don't know, connecting with people. It's, it's Everything's very fleeting, isn't it? Um, which doesn't lend itself well to the idea of, yeah, if you want to build a business it's going to take you five years
0: yeah because <laughs> that,
1: and, that, and that's not sexy it's like i said right at the start of the podcast like what i say will never go viral because it's not sexy mm. it's just it's like honest and that'll only yeah. appeal to a certain percentage of the population because a lot of the population want to believe in the bullshit stories and the rags to riches stories and all this sort of crap um because we we're a i don't know as human beings we want to believe in that we want to see that but there's always you know my audience is probably the one percent of skeptics in a way <laughs> who, are, who are not skeptics realists yeah um, yeah and that's why my shit will never go viral because i don't I, or hopefully don't play up to that
0: yeah but i think you made a really good point about the concept of uh, instant gratification especially with like social media you know thing even just ordering amazon like i don't want it tomorrow i want it in like five seconds like we've become myself included i'm a human you know i, I so, am I'm not saying <laughs> i'm with everyone I in all this and you know what is a really good
1: example of instant gratification <laughs> in, in business is branding so like okay. and i thought i'm really guilty of this all the time like if i get like an idea i won't go straight to fleshing out the financials or the market research or testing, I'll go straight to a name and a logo mm, and all wow. that because that's sexy. That's the, that's the stuff that you get a buzz out of and actually the rest of it, that that's all hard work. I don't want to do that shit. Yeah. And that, and that hard work might reveal that it's a bad idea. So instead I'll, I'll just do this, the sexy stuff. Um, yeah. And, and, so, and, and you know, I, I still fall victim of that. And I think people do when they start a business, it's just, that's an instant gratification, in it? You can get a
0: logo and you're in business.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Bad idea, but yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree, man. And I think it's kind of like on the instant gratification part, when you were talking about it, I was thinking about it mirrors so perfectly to like weight loss. How many weight loss, I, I want to lose five kilos in half an hour. If I could, like, I'm, you know, I'm in, I do it. I think yeah. it's just about getting rid of that pain Those belts. yeah 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 yeah. like come on
1: like they're not gonna work go to the fucking gym eat less eat eat less move more
0: that is literally the but but that's not sexy that's not what i want i want it now i don't want it quick yeah (laughs) i feel you um on the concept of um on the concept of i guess getting getting distracted now i know you talked about follow the money find the support you know have a community around you people to support you not necessarily financially but ideas and stuff and that's one of the things actually that i've been talking to my my friends about recently i'm like i feel like i'm walking in a forest with no map i'm like okay the mountains there i've you know picked up some nice logs along the way you know some clients you know things are moving but i'm like i don't know do i go left do i go right do i go backwards do i go straight and i think and it can get at least in my experience, it gets quite overwhelming. Like I don't know which way to go, what's the right move? And then you just kind of like sometimes you get stuck in like one spot just for like for a little while. So my question to you is how do you how do you fucking just clear through that, you know, especially when you're starting a business because you don't know what the like follow the money if the priorities if the priority is generating revenue, which or sorry, profit, which it should be, I still don't that's that's the step. But there's a step before that that's going to take me, you know, to that step. And I think that's where some people tend to get lost. Myself, you know, myself included. I'm still learning, you know, as I go along as well. And and that
1: and that is also perfectly normal. I think the and I, I've been through that with the defense works my first business, and I'm going through that again now. Even I think the the challenge is not being paralyzed by it almost. So exactly. Pro, any progress is progress, and I, and I think sometimes and I, and I'm i have been and i still am guilty of that i'll look at it and everything fuck i don't even know what to do next so i've got 100 different ideas what do i do so uh, the problem you can have there is you can just sit looking at the 100 ideas for a week and not do anything so it's about like i say pro any progress is progress um so normally how i would approach it is i'll i'll look at whatever i've got on my desk whether that's a to-do list whether that's um, maybe ideas I need to try or, or things I think that could work for the business and I'll prioritise them based on what's nearest the money like if I can do that and it's going to earn me a few hundred pound a month like then I'll just put all my eggs into that and just go for it but the sec- sort of second rung on that is is testing the waters really like yeah. if I look at the defence works Christ I will have spent so much money on, on stuff that didn't work but I wouldn't have known that unless I tried it. And mm-hmm. I kick myself, I kick myself because I'm like, oh, I've just wasted a grand there or whatever it might be. But unless you try it, you don't know. Um, you can learn from other people's mistakes. I hate to say For add. sure. I, I, you know, I can sit and we could have a two hour conversation and you could say, well, I'm thinking about this and I'll say, that might not work. That might work. It, thing is, things that didn't work for me could still work for you. So I'd always have to caveat my advice with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, in terms of like making those next steps is any progress is good progress ask the questions like if you if you've got things in front of you that you you think you want to do um you need to test them and sometimes that can be actually putting money behind them and testing them it can be just doing them and testing them it can be getting advice from people who've also been there and done it they're all legit options i think the bit that people really struggle with is yeah but what's that thing i should test or what's that thing i should ask and Truthfully, no one can tell you that because yeah. I don't know your business well enough to ask that question. So I'm, you know, if I was working with you and, and like mentoring you, for example, I'd still need you to come to me with the with the some of the ideas. Sure, I could sure. I could certainly give you some in terms of like scaling and what we spoke about earlier and, and things you'd need to explore, but you'd still need to go away and do them and test them. Yeah. Um, so it's it's yeah it's, it's a tough one. It's there's no and there's no right there's no right path as well. 100%. Yeah, uh, it, it's a it's a long path and it's a windy path. There's lots of wrong turns, dead ends, all all that. It's just the thing that I was chatting with a friend about the other day is it's about making decisions that won't kill you. So you just need to you need to whatever you do, it can't be a a risk everything decision. Yeah. In yeah. my view, some people will think they can do that. Yeah. Um, but, but you're much likely to, to fail. Whereas, I, Because I'd bootstrapped, I had to make a business case in my own brain every time I spent money. So when I had like a, a marketing opportunity that was going to cost me a £1,000, I didn't just go, oh, sod it, I'll just do it. It was like no, a thousand pound. How long? How many? How long did that take me to get that first fifteen quid? That is still a thousand pound. I've got to think about this and really test it. And when I do test it, I don't just mean spend it. I mean spend it and look at what that got back. So because uh, I, I see this time and time again, people don't analyze the results. They just spend it and they kind of meander to success or they meander to failure mm. they don't actually analyze and go well that's doing this for me that's doing that for me right well fuck that off because it's shit put yeah, all your yeah. money into that or all yeah. your time into that you've got a you've got to really break down what you're spending time on looking where the success is happening um for example even in your own business there'll be elements of what you do that will be more successful than others so yeah. there's a very good case to say pie that stuff off or outsource it or yeah make a resource so people can do that bit themselves and focus on the bit that's really working for you because that's Mm. the that's the holy grail bit right there yeah um so sometimes it's a it's a focus thing it's a having someone just to bounce ideas off
0: is, is, is crucial um yeah and just asking asking the right questions yeah i think that's that's really really some refreshing and amazing advice man i think like you said there's no one right answer. No one can really tell you. They can suggest. But at the end of the day, if this, if, you know, from everything you've said and everything we've talked about, I think the smart thing to do or the best way to move forward is r- reminding yourself. Any progress is progress. I try to remind myself of that. But my also is, I don't know if I'm sure you maybe can relate to this when you're building a business. When I when I get like one client, I'm like, fuck it. Yeah, I got a client. I'm happy literally for what an hour two hours yeah. after i've had the client i'm like okay good day then your brain's like oh, fuck me okay where do we get the next you know where do we where do we get the next one yeah. and, I, and i've had that all the way through like,
1: yeah 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 well you know when I started, the thought of re- signing on a client of five grand a month like would have been insane. By the time I was signing on that five cl- grand client, I was like, "Oh fuck, that's a lot of work to do." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid, but it's true. The one thing that I I didn't do from the off, but I implemented not not long after, and it's so simple. And, and I've mentioned this on a couple of podcasts before, but highly recommend it. Just as daft as it is, write down like a list of it, like key achievements, that, like milestones that you want to achieve. And, and funnily enough, I the reason I like this so much is I, and I, I've actually put it into GoFounder as a, as a feature, is as simple as, me and my wife had a, a piece of paper on the fridge with milestones, and it was just shit stuff. It was like first 10 clients, and then attached to that was a shit reward. So it's like, first 10 clients will go to the pub. It was like, <laughs> yeah. that was relative to us staying in the house at the time. <laughs> First American client, and then the the award, like reward to that was have hot dogs because mm. it was like loosely American. Um, you know, first international client. Uh, you know, uh, best sales month yet. First ten k month. First hire. First office. Second hire. All those milestones. Paying yourself a wage. All those milestones that if you're not careful you'll smash through the milestones, but you'll not ever stop and pat yourself on the back. Because it was my yeah. missus who made me do it, because she was like, Eddie, you're like, you're achieving something, but you're just straight onto the next thing. You're not stopping to think, shit, look how far I've come. Yeah. Um, and there's so much power and value in just stopping and, and almost like exercising gratitude, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I something I never really kind of was particularly mindful of prior. But but now i massively massively and like look and go fuck I'm well lucky this is a great position to be in or that month was mega because of these reasons and mm. yeah just just reward yourself yeah because um, then then all of a sudden you you feel like you've accomplished more and it and it'll give you that boost and encouragement and
0: reinvigorate you really to kind of push on harder exactly absolutely man you said it perfectly my my fiance tells me all the time if like when I've had a good week she's like oh you had a good week this week I'm like yeah but like you know <laughs> I, it was it was like i'm like it's not the week i wanted whether it was my productivity whether it's what i accomplished but i'm like ah you know it's but
1: if but- you, you had that list on your fridge with all those things yeah. you go well actually yeah all that shit stuff might have happened but i got my first international client so yeah. I'll, i've got to have that reward and it makes you stop and go actually yeah some bad stuff happened but some good stuff <laughs>
0: yeah no absolutely man that's really great advice um, I think we don't practice gratitude enough We're, without doing a startup anyway whatever in life I don't think we do it enough um, right. I right. always advise people to do it and yeah I like to do it I think that's the cru- like the crux of every person I can give you the best advice but if you tell me the same thing I'm like uh, yeah I don't know about me uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know if it works for me but like definitely exactly. for you you should definitely do it <laughs> <Yeah>. but uh, <laughs> but anyway um, I just had a few more questions for you Eddie uh, I want to talk about the whole concept of I guess, trust when, uh, when you're, you know, building out the startup because you, you're bootstrap like in your case especially, you're bootstrapping it. So it's literally all, it's all you. It's all your money. It's not like you had an investment that comes that you're sourcing from that to build the team and pay salaries and so on. So I guess how do you learn to, when you've been doing everything yourself and you trust yourself, obviously you trust your wife, of course. How do you start to like trust new people to build that out?
1: yeah really tough um i think you have to recognize that you're not going to be that great at most stuff Mm -hmm. like and and also you you've got to you've got to hire you've got to move it forward or you're never ever going to grow the business for me the first hire i was super lucky she was amazing super talented um but the interesting thing was I actually brought her on originally as like, in, I don't know what the universal term, but we, we called her like business development manager. So sales effectively. Okay. Yeah. So that was the role she was brought in for, but actually, and this is all, this is a mistake that every business makes. They always try and hire a salesperson first. And 99% of the time that's the wrong hire uh, in my experience, because you, you go from a position of being the salesman to then trying to give it to this new person to sell and they're not going to be as good a salesperson as you. And your, your, your business is so young, you need your best salesperson. So actually, she came in, wasn't doing that well in the sales, but that was my fault because I tried to make her do sales, basically. So I ended up um, basically changing her role. So I gave her more of the responsibilities that I was doing that weren't sales-related, Yeah. so that she could pick them up and and lo and behold that obviously um that really worked so she was able to pick up loads of the stuff free up loads of my time so i could focus more on the sales and then the business grew like that yeah um but there's elements of uh, with any member of staff uh, depending what they do if they do some stuff that you're capable of there'll be an element of you might be a perfectionist and and in your head you might think the work you do is a 10 out of 10 and the work they do is an 8 out of 10 but mm tough shit if it's it's good enough it's good enough exactly and and, and you and and to grow a business you need to get into that mindset anyway even with the stuff that you produce yourself so my my view is always is that a seven out of ten yeah fine fuck it it'll do if if it's below seven out of ten we need to improve it it's not good enough but if it's seven out of ten like is that is that social post that good well seven out of ten it'll do is that, is that piece of training content the best it could possibly be? Well, no. because To get it to a 10, I'm going to have to spend three months on it. But I've taken a week on it and it's at a seven. Right, fuck it. That'll do. Yeah. Because y- y- you can spend ages chasing perfection. Absolutely. And that, and that massively applies when when you're hiring staff in, in the nicest way. Yeah. Um, you, know, you need to accept that. They're not going to do everything the same way you do it. That doesn't mean they're doing it wrong. You just might have a way you've got it in your brain. Um. But, but by the same token, there's loads of stuff and loads of tools you can do to make life easier. One thing I wished I'd done when I'd started was like recording processes for stuff. Um, whether okay. that's like, whether that's, if, that, if you're using a platform, using a tool a tool like Loom where you can screen record and you can kind of talk over the, the things that you're doing. So it's quite methodical. That's a great way to pass that out or outsource that as well. Save yourself some time. Um, but just like, processing and and putting a process in place for the different elements of of things that whether that's an employee is going to take on so that you know they're doing it right or you can outsource it to free yourself some time yeah that they're all things um to to consider when you're hiring really
0: yeah exactly and i think you made a really interesting point that i never considered about how um a lot of startups tend to hire a salesperson first because i guess not i i get why they would do it you know logically it makes sense but at the same time they're not going to be able to they're not going to be able to sell the product as well as you can. It's your business, and it's not at the stage yet that someone else will be able to describe it or give it the same emotion or convey that message as well as you do. I thought I think that's a really really interesting point, and it kind of brought me on to my next question, and you mentioned touched on it briefly how one of the things that you wished you had at the time was recording the processes of how you how you did things probably would have streamlined things a lot better. But now with GoFounders, with uh, GoFounders, sorry. Um, So for people who don't know, guys, it's a a community to help and support all startups, um, you know, and they give, you guys have trainings, podcasts, accountability, you know, like literally an A to Z of, and a community to help startups get to where they are and to kind of, it's kind of everything you wish you had, but you didn't have. So from, I guess, from your experience, Eddie, of, with DefenseWorks, what would you say were the biggest mistakes and lessons you took from that experience? Uh,
1: I think setting expectations probably. So okay. I was super naive, and I thought everything would happen happen much quicker than it did. And like, and my story was relatively quick, mm. uh, but I I think every everything, whether that's from how long I thought it'd take me to get my first paying customer or how long I thought it might take to an exit or even like how long it would take me to get through my to-do list in the day. Like how often do we all have a to-do list that's a page long and you, you don't even fucking scratch the surface on the day. Yeah. <laughs> And so like, but, but like finding, finding a level of comfort with that is yeah. really important because I had, a, I, I had a really tough period mentally where probably six months where I was like really beating myself up because we weren't moving fast enough or uh, we weren't being productive enough or whatever. And it, and it, it was just super negative. And it, the reality is when I look back, well, we were still moving. We were probably moving rapid as fuck compared to most big companies. But in my mind, it wasn't yeah. moving as fast as it could, but it was only in my mind that like I put the, that time scale in my head. No one else had. It was just me thinking it needed to be that fast. Yeah. So I think, yeah realistic expectation setting like everything takes longer than you think yeah um, and just kind of like trying to enjoy the journey a bit more cuz yeah. that is easy for me to say but that is the that's the fucking fun, that is the fucking fun bit like.
0: yeah yeah no 100% man i think that is such such a big lesson you know that you took from that and i think in that setting expectations applies to not just business, not just your startup to everything in your life to, you know, expectations of your partner, expectations of your family, you know, everything. So it's being realistic and setting ex- your expectations correctly or in a tapered manner to use, you know, that term yeah. that you, uh, that you said, um, I guess sets you, at least you're not going to be as disappointed as you would be if it was completely, you know, completely, you know, unrealistic and out the way. Um, Eddie, I just have two more questions for you. These are questions okay. that I ask uh, all my guests. So um, yeah, I'm interesting and I'm curious to hear what you're going to say for this one. Um, so looking back at your, you know, your career or personally, professionally, whatever, whatever the case. If I ask you, what are you most proud of for yourself? What would you say? Oh God. Uh, well, aside from my wife and children, I have to probably aside you're, from you're, them, whatever, whatever you, th- whatever you most proud of. Like um, it could be your wife and children. If she's listening, if she's listening, it's obviously that. <laughs> um,
1: but in terms of, like, I guess if it, from a business perspective, um, oh, I don't know, probably or uh, hopefully having an impact on the people that I've worked with. Um, like, for example, one an amazing member of staff came straight from university, joined my my crappy little cybersecurity company she massively stepped up to the plate um was such an amazing member of staff for me and then she's gone and got a job at the national Cybersecurity center so a government wow. job awesome. in a cyber role and like i don't know like that she, she was so nervous and up, like upset having a notice in but i was like don't be i'm fucking buzzing for you like that's mm. the whole point of coming and working at like a startup like that is literally the point yeah so I guess like hopefully having a, a positive impact on people's lives, I guess is, and that's kind of like, as cheesy as it is, part of the inspiration for GoFundMe. It's like, can, can there be, can there be more to what I'm doing than just me making some money for myself? Can it, yeah. can there be a bit of a legacy? And that, that sounds super cheesy. So I apologize. <laughs> but, but like, I think, you know, I think, I, I think people who do, all right for themselves, have a responsibility to try and do good for other people. Yeah. Um, so if I can do a little bit and help a few people, I'll be buzzing. If, I, if, if if GoFounder helps one person get a decent business off the ground, I will be fucking buzzing.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I really, really, really love that. And I resonate with that, you know, 100% in everything I do, everything I'm doing, this podcast, our conversation today is that someone somewhere... If they listen to this and they're like, oh, fuck, you know, listening to Khaled and Eddie, now I have the motivation to do my startup or I'm not going to make that mistake. Whatever the case might be, if I've just helped someone. Yes. Do I want to make money? Absolutely. I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm not like a saint here. No fucking no no fucking around. But you can can make money and do good. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that's the point. And I think that's invariably the more money you make, the more good you can do. Like, that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. And it makes it so much more, I think f- it feels more fulfilling as well. Like yeah. inside, you know, I feel really yeah. good when, oh, when yeah. that, when that does happen. Uh, and for my last question, Eddie, what is the message you'd like everyone to take home with them today? Ooh. Uh,
1: do dream big, contrary to what we've said, <laughs> but, but be, you know, be realistic. But, you know, the, the only person that, the only person that can get you where you want to be is you. Don't look for answers in in the bullshit stuff that's out there because they won't be there. Find people who genuinely want to help you. they are they are out there. Find someone who you can pick the brain off. Find a friend who you can confide in and try and try and better yourself. You don't have to settle for what whatever your position you're in now. You can bet yourself. And better yourself doesn't mean starting a business. It doesn't, it can just be exercising gratitude. It can be anything, but just whatever position you're in now doesn't define you. So you can go on to to do more, achieve more, be more, whatever it is. But yeah, just any progress is good progress.
0: Ah, uh, I love that. Love that. Love that. Love that, man. Uh, I think you said, it, you said it perfectly. Any progress is progress. And, you know, don't let yourself, don't get in the way of your, your yes. don't be the obstacle to stop yourself from getting to where you want to go. Cause you are the only, you are the only obstacle. And I really love that man. Uh, Eddie, I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. This has been so much fucking fun. I really love the conversation, really learned a lot from you. Uh, Before we sign off, uh, where can people find you if they want to work with you, want to connect with you? Let us know. Sure. LinkedIn's always a good one. Uh, Just search for me, Eddie Whittingham.
1: You'll see my bald, bearded head on there. Um, And then obviously the platform is gofounder.com. And and like you said, it's just I'm trying to build out a community and a set of resources that i just wished i'd had when i'd started effectively yeah
0: Yeah, exactly so guys uh, you heard it here you can check uh check out eddie's stuff on linkedin or or go at gofounder.com uh to everyone thank you so much for listening guys i really appreciate it follow subscribe share the podcast at hope that it helps with two s's and as always guys hope it helps peace